Hello, ladies and gentlemen, it's me, Daniel Kay, the host of the Daniel Kay's Let's Plays podcast project. How's it going? Good, that's good to hear. I hope you had a good Christmas. I hope you're going to have a good New Year's. I hope you're enjoying some kind of time off from work for whatever reason. I don't really know, you know, whatever it is. Special holiday season greetings from Daniel K. That's what I'm trying to get at. Hi, how's it going? So, I'm here in my kitchen. My voice might sound different, uh, but it's because I've got my mobile recording microphone, which I'm speaking into, instead of my Blue Snowball, which I normally record the LPs with. Uh, but i got a special episode today. I can't have the blue snowball with me. It's too clunky and too wired. I've got my hands-free mic in operation, tucked into my front pocket here. Because it's uh, the 30th of December, 2019. That means tomorrow for me is New Year's Eve. I don't know when I'm going to get this out or when you're listening to it. It's probably a different time. But for me, you know what that means... It's basically my last opportunity to record the 2019 Daniel K's Let's Cook special. Yeah, you remember that tradition? Which I guess I committed to by recording a second episode in 2018 and calling it the 2018 Daniel K's Let's Cook special? Yeah. Well, it's my last possible opportunity to keep the uh, the, the uh, tradition going so I guess I'm going to pour a little bit more petrol into this dying old motor and see if it ticks see if it goes broom boldly forward into a new year yeah uh, so the first year of my podcast 2017 I cooked uh, roast onion soup that was a good one that was kind of fun the recording was kind of trash and hard to listen to but you know you get that with podcasts, don't you? Yeah. Uh, 2018 was a pathetic effort. I almost want to undo it. It was me cooking fried eggs. And like, listening back to it now, I'm like, oh, no, that's not how you do it, yet, you big idiot. Um, anyway, and here it is, 2019. The last two days of 2019. What am I going to cook? Well, I've been uh, really enjoying a recipe this whole year. At the beginning of the year, I decided I need to start saving some money on my uh, my dinners and foods. And I thought, what could be a big bulk meal to cook a lot of, which I would really enjoy eating for lunches and dinners, but which wouldn't be, like, super expensive. Uh, and what I landed on, I had this idea in my head, I looked up a recipe, it worked pretty well, is a uh, mushroom rice hot pot. So it's like a big rice dish. Uh, like rice with mushroom, fried mushroom mixed all through it. So that's what I'm going to make for you today. Mushroom rice hot pot. The first thing I'm going to do uh, is I'm going to start chopping the ingredients. I'm going to get them all chopped up before I start. So let's go over to our ingredients here, shall we? All right. Should I give you a rundown on the ingredients before I start chopping them? Yeah, I should. So I've got... uh, The recipe calls for 750 grams of mushrooms. Any mushrooms you want. I like to use more mushrooms than that. Because I like to bulk up the volume of this dish a little bit more. I'll, I'll give you guys guys and girls a link to the recipe that I began following. Uh, but I've sort of chopped and changed the recipe a bit over the year. But it calls for 750 grams of, of mushrooms. And the mushrooms I like to use are Swiss brown mushrooms. I think they're the superior mushroom for cooking with. That's just my slightly amateurish opinion. But there it is. Uh, this morning... 
Um, I'm recording this at like 11 o'clock in the morning, by the way. But earlier this morning, I were headed on down to Gilbert's Fresh Food Market. You know the one? You know the one. The corner of Morrison Road and Great Northern Highway, Gilbert's Fresh Food Market. Yeah, I went on down there where I like to do a lot of my green grocery shopping. It's a little more expensive than Coles and Woolworths, but I feel better shopping there than I do at Coles and Woolworths. Uh, and I say to the friendly staff member, hey, where are all the Swiss brown mushrooms? And they're like, oh, we don't have any in today. I'm very sorry about that. So I'm like, oh, ho-hum. Oh, well, what'll I do? So uh, I've got some big field mushrooms and I've got some shiitake mushrooms. Uh, just the shiitake mushrooms are expensive. So um, I'm just going to sort of chop them up and mix them through with the big field mushrooms. Uh, and hope I get, like, a flavorful mushroom experience from that. A substitute for Swiss browns. Uh, what else have I got? I've got a broccoli here, a whole broccoli, which I'm going to have in my rice hot pot as well for some chunky greenness. I've got some spring onions, or what do the Americans call them? Scallions? Shallots? Scallions? Not shallots. Scallions? Green onions. Spring onions? i got these long green onion-flavoured shoots. You know the ones. Uh, I'm going to chop them up and put them in the hot pot. Uh, I've got some rice, obviously. Uh, and then I've got uh, onion and garlic and chilli. Uh, and I've got stock, some vegetable stock. And I've got a bunch of herbs and spices in my cupboard. And that's pretty much all I need. So, let's start by chopping up the mushrooms. Let's get to it, huh? There might be some cuts, you know, to keep this whole thing moving snappily along. So, where's my knife? Here's my knife. Where's my chopping board? Here it is. Now, let me get the um, shiitake mushrooms chopped first. This is only 100 grams of shiitake mushrooms. And I've got, like, 800 grams of the field mushrooms. So, it's basically a gesture. I know it doesn't really... It's not going to make a big difference given the uh, volume that I'm expecting, the yield of this dish. The shiitake mushrooms are just to make me feel good that I'm doing a little bit more than just field mushrooms. Uh, let me find myself a bin bag. Hang on. Here we are. Cool. Goodbye, shiitake mushroom packaging. All right, I've got some pots and pans, which I'm just going to use to store my chopped stuff in. I'm going to get everything chopped before the cooking starts, and then I'm going to chuck it in. You know, I'm not going to have to waste time in between, like, while I'm cooking, chopping stuff. So, let's just start dicing up these, or slicing up these shiitake mushrooms. Here's a point. You guys, when you cook at home, do you retain the stems on shiitake mushrooms? Because they look good. But I read online that you're supposed to discard the stems because they don't taste good. Is that just some weirdo's... Bad opinion? Because it feels like a bit of a waste to chop these nice-looking, sort of fleshy, soft stems. The shiitake mushroom kind of feels like a whole contiguous unit. It's not broken up into, into anatomical parts like a field mushroom is. Like the stem is different to the flesh, is different to the gills, you know. A shiitake mushroom is like all shiitake mushroom. You can see a little bit of gillage in there, but it looks like it's just made out of the stuff the cap is made out of, and the stem is made out of the stuff the cap, the, the cap is made of too. So maybe this time I'm just going to keep the keep the stems. All right, let's get these things chopped. Here goes. All right, last one. Man, this one's got a real fat, thick stem. I think I'm going to cut the base off the stem. 
because that looks a bit woody. Oh yeah, this is hard to saw through. Mm, I'll cut a little bit more, but I'll retain the bit which is... A, I'll retain the, the base of the stem, you know that bit. A little stem groin. Alright, there we go. This one's the biggest one. Alright, there we go. There's my shiitakes chopped up. Now let's uh, start chopping the field mushrooms. I promised my little son that I'd save him a button mushroom, so I snuck a button mushroom into my bag of field mushrooms at Gilbert's. Please don't email Gilbert's and tell them. But I'm just going to put the button mushroom over there. He likes to... My kid likes mushrooms. Alright, field mushroom. Let's get to chopping. I'm not going to peel the skin off the top. I've never, I've never noticed any bits of like unpleasant mushroom skin or anything in the final dish, so I don't bother. Uh, yeah, so let the let the chopping of this this stuff commence. Chopping it roughly. It can be. I like some variation in my mushrooms, you know. There we go. So that's actually half the field mushrooms chopped. Now, there's a little quirk of this recipe which I'm following, which I quite enjoy. The recipe calls for me to fry half of the mushrooms uh, before I do anything else. So just cook the mushrooms in oil uh, over some heat and then put them aside. And then they don't get cooked with the rice. They get added right at the last second of the dish. So they just get that I, I pre-fry the mushrooms. I let them uh, I let them sit until the very end and then add them at the very end. And then the other half of the mushrooms, I fry them with onions and garlic and whatever spices I want to add. And then I add stock and rice to that mushroom mix in my big pot. And then I let the rice cook in that. And so that the mushroom kind of gets a bit soft and like mixes in with the rice in a big way. So then being able to add whole, not whole, but like... Uh, cooked, good textured, cooked textured mushrooms back into that dish, is, it makes it a little bit more tasty. If we were to do, if we were to fry all the mushrooms and then take them out of the dish, then the rice wouldn't get as flavorful. So this is like a little bit of the best of both worlds thing, where we're getting really nice flavorful mushrooms and also sacrificing some mushrooms into the rice to make it mushroom flavored rice. Uh, so, um, I'm just going to get another pot out, and I'm going to start cutting up the other half of my field mushrooms. I figure I'm not going to... Yeah, I, I actually want to retain... I want to fry all of the shiitake mushrooms. I don't want them to get... So I don't think a shiitake is something that's... I want it to be, like, whole in the final dish. I want to find some shiitake in my dish when I'm done. So, here's just the last half of the field mushrooms getting chopped. all of my field mushrooms chopped. Now I'm going to chop up the, let's say, broccoli. Hello, broccoli. This is a relatively small broccoli. The recipe, I don't know if I mentioned this, it doesn't call for broccoli at all. This is my own addition. I just wanted a little bit extra substantial greenness in my dish. I'm just chopping the, uh, this broccoli comes with like branches and stuff, you know, the ones. So I'm just chopping these weird little branches off. 
I don't think the branches taste any good. I'm just going to pull the leaves off the side of this broccoli. Pretty rustic broccoli. But that's good. There we go. All the leaves and the branches are off. Now I'm just going to chop it into like bite-sized florets. Those florets look pretty bite-sized. Got a couple bits of the stem in there, like the fleshy bits of the stem, which I'm gonna not bother taking out. Um, just gonna get another pan. These bits of broccoli, I don't want them to kind of get the flavour to, to, to run into the rice. I want them to be a very separate thing, which I'm eating in my rice pot. So I'm gonna fry them as well and set them aside uh, and then add them in after the rice is cooked. But if I put them in to fry with my mushrooms, I'll be like overloading my pan, I've learned. My pan can't quite take that much. So I've got a, I've got a separate fry pan, which I'm just going to store the mushrooms in. And they can cook at the same time I'm cooking that first load of mushrooms. So what's next? Let's just I'm gonna scrape off my chopping board. I've got this sort of weird green mushroom detritus. There we are. Little mushroom flowers or whatever. And I guess let's chop the onion and garlic and uh, the chilies, which I got. Yeah. Oh, yeah, get a little pot to store it in. Or maybe it can go. No, yeah, I'll get a little pot to store it in. And let's start with the uh, onion. I got one big onion. Recipe calls for one small onion, but. Uh, this dish is always, it's a fight to get this, it's, it's a pretty big volume of food, which, which I end up with at the end, and the struggle is to make it as flavorful as possible. And so I've got a big onion, I've got a whole uh, bunch of garlic, which I'm going to be putting in. The recipe calls for like two or three cloves, but I'm, I'm going to put the whole thing of garlic in. I think I did the same thing with the onion, the roast onion soup, and I stand by that as a tactic. I'm also going to be putting in some soy sauce, just like I did with that soup, because that was a pretty winning ingredient in that recipe. And I have learned to just sort of put a bit of extra soy sauce in, in big volume dishes like this to add a bit more flavor. So, just peeling the outside layers off the onion. There we are. Oh, I got myself a drink to drink while I make this recipe. Um, wash the onion off my hands and go to my fridge and grab it. Yeah. Uh, listeners, I'm a massive great big kombucha convert. Uh, I was skeptical of it for a long time and then I kind of got into it in a big way and now, yeah, I love kombucha. And I've got a, a community brew uh, wild jasmine flavoured kombucha. I can't stand the... Um, you get like these low brothers... Um, you get these f these kombuchas which are like candy flavored. You get watermelon and lemonade and mango and tropical pineapple flavored kombuchas, and they're disgusting. They taste like they taste like sugar-free alternative soft drinks, uh, like substandard. 
But the ones which are just like... This community brew one is, is pretty tasty. They kind of just taste like fizzy vinegar. Like you're just drinking vinegar. You're not trying to trick your brain into think, oh, this is a really nice soft drink I'm enjoying and it's got no sugar in it. No, you're drinking a like just carbonated vinegar pretty much. And I love it. Like I'm into it. Yeah. If only there was a way of getting it cheap. For a while, uh, Gilbert's... Obviously, there was a, sp- a specific brand of, of kombucha which they couldn't uh, move. They couldn't sell. And so they put the 750 mil bottles on sale for uh, for a couple bucks each. And I, as soon as I saw that, I just stocked up. And it was just filling my fridge for like a month. And uh, But now they've run out of that stuff. And so, so have I. I'm drinking expensive kombucha instead. But, oh well. Yum. Yep. That's like very mild, fizzy vinegar, and I love it. Okay, back to the onion. Yep. Doing the trick where you chop the onion into like a comb. Chopping along the, uh, chopping into it like, uh, what would you call it? Along the x-axis, and then I spin it so I can chop it along the z-axis. You know? So you'll wind up with diced onion that way. That old trick. That old chestnut. Yeah, doing that. that big onion all chopped and now the garlic so I've got this whole thing of garlic this whole bunch of garlic Uh, I was cooking a recipe a little while ago and there was someone in my house uh, and they were like oh man you make that whole garlic thing look really hard and I'm like what and they're like yeah you're like peeling all the skin off the garlic and it's taking you forever. And I've been self-conscious about how I treat garlic ever since. And since that day, I've been, like, really, like, I don't know. Like, I'm trying to show the garlic I don't care about it. I'm I'm trying not to spend time on the garlic because I've gotten garlic self-conscious. So with this whole bulb of garlic, I'm just chopping the bottom off it. Like that. And I'm going to go through... uh, it's pretty small cloves of garlic. I've got my wooden spoon. I'm just going to crush every clove. Bang. Maybe two or three at once. Bang. As long as I can put a bit of weight into it. And I wind up with this sort of pile of garlic corpses with the skin and the flesh all spewing out everywhere. And then this sort of horrible massacre pile I just pull the skin out of. And I uh, wind up with just a big pile of garlic flesh, which used to be cloves. And it's quicker. And it's also showing everyone that I don't care about garlic, which is, you know, this is (laughs) what we base all our decisions on, isn't it? Trying to decide how to look cool to other people and like we know what we're doing and we're not wasting time. All right, so it's all 
all crushed and now I just go through and I, I pick out the really good chunks uh, and the fiddly little bits of skin I chuck in the bin. Periodically I find when I do this I have to go over to the sink and wash my hands because the garlic, my god, garlic is sticky stuff. And I just wind up with like my hands covered in weird garlic glue and like sheets of garlic skin stuck to my fingers like paper. Yeah, there we go. So there's our big pile of garlic which is basically skin free. Just like 99.9% .9 real garlic in there. No skin. Wash my hands. Once more, I'm just going to roughly chop it. It might be like more flavorful if I were to mince it with a, a garlic crusher, you know, into a weird garlic spray. I know that always smells super garlicky. Uh, but I can't be bothered. So it's all roughly chopped. There we are. And I'm just going to scrape this into my little onion garlic storage pot. And now I'm going to do the chilies. Where are they? Here they are. So I've got two red chilies. Uh, I wanted to add a little bit of color and like a kind of real chili flavor. But I've also got a bunch of different Tabascos in my cupboard, which I'll probably add uh, as well to get a little bit more of a tangy flavor. Um, I didn't want to just rely on Tabasco to get the spice. I wanted some real chili in there too. So my chilies, I've just, uh, they're like, as long as my middle finger, they're pretty substantial. I know that these are get pretty hot because when I chop them, I wind up with my fingers and hands sting for the rest of the day and night when I'm cooking this dish at night. Like, it's... I don't know. I get these, like, almost like I've got sunburn on my hands. The chilies burn my hands in a weird way. Just have a little sip of my kombucha. Oh, it's weirdly spicy for some reason. Ah. Anyway. So what I do is I then, like split the chili. I put the tip of my knife into the top of the chili where its throat would be, and I split it down all the way to the very end point of the chili. Like it's it's now it's not in half, it's like I'm doing a butterfly cut. And now I open up the chili and holding it over my bin bag, I just kind of it's got like this this weird spinal column of pith on the inside, you know? The white pithy bit with all this cluster of seeds around it. I'm just going to sort of gut that out of it with my knife and let it, the seeds fall into the bin bag like this. There we are. And what I'm left with is basically all just the chilli flesh, but with a couple seeds in there. And I don't care if a couple seeds make it in. I know the seeds are like where a lot of the spice is. So the other chili, doing the same thing. Splitting it open. Like I'm... I don't know. Like I'm gutting a fish or something, I don't know. And then just chop the spinal column out. There we are. And now I'm just going to chop this into little chili strips. 
and uh, throw it in with my onion and garlic ready to fry at that point. So, let's get chopping. Both chilies chopped. I'm going to scrape the chili into my onion and garlic pot. And I'm going to go wash my hands. And let me just double check that my phone is still recording. Yep, looks like it. Oh, we're already at the 33 minute mark, man. Okay, and so the last thing that I want to chop in preparation is my uh, green onions, my spring onions. The recipe calls for a cup or a cup and a half of these things. So I'm just going to do some. Because it's kind of hard to envision what the correct proportions are for these things. Yeah, uh, and I'm never too sure with, with spring onions how much of this long green stem to include. Uh, so I've definitely got to, I'm going to cut these little rooty bits off right as close to the roots as I can get because I reckon there's a lot of nice sweet onioniness in this this white bulby bit at the bottom. So just goodbye roots. And now I'm just going to start chopping the spring onions into little round sliced bits. I'm not going to bother getting a pot to keep this in. It can just stay here on my chopping board as a storage, as a storage solution. I think I'm going to use a pretty healthy amount of the green um, top bits because I reckon I see them in... Like I used to go to a Mongolian barbecue restaurant. Uh, the, the Kublai or the Garlock? I forget which one. I think it was the, the Garlock. In, um, was it Leaderville? Yeah, in Leaderville. And man, it was the best restaurant in the world. And it shut down. It was a very sad day for me and all my extended family and friends. Oh man, this stuff is really making me cry. I just miss that restaurant so much. Um, no, it's it's the onions. But they would always have, like... Obviously, the top bit of the spring onion in their stir-fry, Mongolian barbecue stir-fry stuff. And it always tasted real good. So, I'm going to um, emulate my heroes at the Kublai restaurant. Unless it was the garlic. I forget which one was which. Um, and include lots of the sort of top stemmy bits. Oh, man. Oh Jesus! I can't tell if the if the spring onion is what's making me cry, or if I've got chili in my eyes, because <laughs> it's it's not a not a good time. All right, there we are. That's about a cup and a half of spring onions all chopped up. I was chopping it in like one big bunch. Oh, God, my eyes. All right. (coughs) 
So in the original recipe, that spring onion is, it's all the green that there is in this dish. And it gets added right at the very end when you add the already cooked mushroom. So it barely gets cooked. It's basically like fresh spring onions adding something to the dish. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to do that too. So it's come time to actually start cooking. Let me describe my uh, pots and pans situation. I have got a great big heavy crock pot. It's a Baccarat French, French? I think it's French uh, crock pot. One of these like enamel ones with a really heavy lid. And that's where the majority of the cooking is going to happen. I'm going to start frying my first batch of mushrooms at the bottom of this Baccarat crock pot. And then next to it, I've got my, just a fry pan, which I'm going to cook the broccoli in. I've got uh, oil here, some finny, West Australian grown, fresh and mild, first cold pressed, extra virgin olive oil, which I'm probably supposed to be like eating on, on toast or something instead of frying mushrooms in. But, you know, I don't like to be like, I don't like... I don't like really cheap oil. It's probably some weird, like, nonsense thing in my head, but I don't like frying with frying oil. It's stupid of me, very stupid. But, uh, yeah, the delicious, mellow, fruity-flavoured oil has mild, peppery aromas, a versatile, all-purpose olive oil to enhance the flavours of all dishes. Uh, Finny Olive Fresh Extra Virgin Olive Oil is produced from Finny Olive Grove in the Moore River region of WA, which is renowned for growing premium quality olives, picked, cold-pressed, and bottled all on site. There we go. So I've got that. The recipe also calls for butter. I don't have any butter. What do I have, listeners? I've got ghee! Maharaja's Choice Pure Ghee. I love ghee. Ghee, if you don't know, is just it's a it's a clarified butter. So it's butter which has been processed somehow. I don't know how, but man, the smell of ghee when you're cooking with ghee, I love it, and the flavour of ghee, it's so nice. So I'm going to be using ghee instead of butter in this dish. Hopefully, adding a little bit of flavour that way too, just as much flavour as I can get. I think this is shelf stable. Certainly, when I bought it. Just down at the IGA, it was uh, on the shelf. All the butter inside was kind of mushy and melted. I think it's like a shelf-stable oil, like an oil paste. But I, for whatever reason, like to keep it in my fridge. Maybe because I don't trust IGA. Maybe like the intern put them on the shelf or something. But I think ghee is shelf-stable. It's just mine's pretty solid because it's been in the fridge. I just need to scoop it out with a spoon. That's fine. Uh, but I won't use ghee yet. I'm just going to start heating up some oil in my Baccarat crock pot, which I'm going to be adding the, um, oh, here goes the opening of the oil, which I'm going to be adding the mushrooms to soon. Glug, 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 glug. A tablespoon or two of oil. And then some in with the broccoli. And let's turn on the stove. And this hot bit too. There we are. One of the things I've learnt 
the big Baccarat crockpot, I've got over a really high heat because it's thick bottomed. It's going to take a little while for it to, the heat to get up into the oil. Um, but when I'm actually frying stuff, this stove has got like a, a really, really hot area, like this super duper burner. Uh, and to fry stuff quickly, I used to cook uh, over that burner. But I've noticed if I ever burn any of the spices or anything, any of the flavor stuff, which I put into this dish in particular or any other big, like large volume dish, if I ever burn any of the spices in like the early stages, I've learnt that the flavor just disappears. It's like I've killed the spices and I don't do anything after they've been burnt. Like, obviously. But it, it's kind of easy to burn it when you're using a super hot area of your stove. So I've learnt now to stay away from the really, really hot area. I want to say hot plates, but they're not plates. They're burners. The hot burner. I don't use the hot burner. I use, like, a medium burner. All right. The broccoli is cooking. Cool. I'm just going to add the mushroom to my uh, big crock pot. Here the oil wasn't exactly sizzling just yet. It'll get there. That sizzling oil you can hear is the uh, broccoli oil. Alright. While this uh, frying is happening, I'm going to get some peppercorns out and then kind of roughly chop them. I haven't, um... I haven't gotten around to refilling my uh, peppercorn mill because I'm lazy and the lid is stuck on. I can't get it off. I'll just stir this broccoli. Tossing up, up into the air. Yeah. So instead of using my peppercorn mill, my little pepper mill, like I should, I've just been like roughly chopping the peppercorns on the chopping board and I'll get my salt out ready to use. Where are you peppercorns? Yeah. I find if the peppercorns are slightly damp, like if I'm chopping on a wet chopping board, which this one is a little damp from all the spring onion I've been chopping up, uh, they don't fly away. So if my chopping board isn't damp, I like to dampen it a little bit just for the chopping of the uh, peppercorns. Oh man, the mushroom is starting to really smell amazing. I love mushrooms so much. Yeah, the mushrooms are starting to sort of sweat down a bit. They're shrinking. I can see they're getting color from their own juices, which are coming out of them. Uh, the broccoli... I think has a little further to go. It's getting some nice brown uh, surfaces. I'll just turn the fan on. Uh, but to both the baccarat pot and my fry pan, I'm just going to add a little bit of this pepper which I've just crushed up. And I'll add a little bit of salt in a second. Oof, that smells good. I'm frying the pepper in the mushrooms, it smells amazing. This stuff looks outstanding. 
Like, you could just scoop this mushroom up and have it on toast now, and it would be delicious. Let's turn the heat down a bit on the mushrooms, because they're uh, cooking faster than the broccoli, obviously. Maybe I'll just... There we are. Pop the, uh, the crock-pot lid over the broccoli fry pan, just to speed up that process a little bit. So I don't want big crunchy broccoli. I don't want it to be soft, but I don't want it to be crunchy. Ooh, these broccolis are starting to, to smell really good as well. In a fried broccoli kind of way. Whew. They're getting a little smoky though. Maybe just a, a tiny, tiny touch more oil to them. Ouch, 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 ouch. I just, uh, I pulled out one of the little bits of, uh, broccoli stalk. I'm gonna try chomping on it, see how crisp it still is. Hmm. Sure. So, it's crunchy in the core, but, uh, soft on the outside. So we're basically there with the broccoli. The florets will be totally perfect stalky bits that still need a little bit more time, although that'll do. Okay, I'm going to turn the heat off. And now I'm going to move the pot lid over here so it's out of the way. I'm going to get my oven mitt on. I'm going to lift up the Baccarat pot. I'm going to very carefully scoop the mushrooms out and we're just going to let them sit with the broccoli for a bit and they can keep each other company. There we are. Off at the side of the stove top for a bit. I've got this really nice like sheen of mushroom flavour on this Baccarat pot now and some little bit of pepper as well. It's not like brown or burnt, it's just you know, a mushroom residue, which I'm happy with. Just kind of pop the pot lid on that fry pan and let it sort of sit there for a bit. Uh, I'm going to turn the heat back up Oof. Uh, underneath the baccarat. I'm going to put in a little bit more oil as per the instructions. Uh, but now, well, now it's ghee time. I'm not really using any measurements, I'm just using this spoon to scoop out some chunks of ghee. There's a bit. I love ghee. There we are. Good. There's a couple scoops. I'll just let that melt. Ghee has a much higher smoking point than butter. So you can fry stuff in ghee. Whereas you can't fry stuff like fry fry stuff, shallow fry stuff in butter like you can in ghee. It's, uh, it's a bit more heat resistant when cooking. That's what I mean. Alright, so I'm watching it melt now into this sort of beautiful yellow oil. And I'm going to scrape up the mushroom residue from the bottom of the pan. 
so that that's part of the oil. And it's pretty much all melted now. There's one little Gieberg left. There we are. And now let's dump in the garlic and onion and chili. There we go. I'm gonna let that cook for a bit. The recipe says like cook for 30 seconds before adding the mushroom, the uncooked mushroom that we uh, reserved. But no, I'm gonna let it brown. So I'm gonna cook it for like five minutes or however long it takes me to actually see some changed. Meanwhile, I'll rinse out this pan, this pot that I was storing that stuff in. about three minutes I'm starting to notice some color just around the edges of the onion that's good enough for me and so now I'm gonna dump in the mushroom and now the recipe wants us just to uh, start cooking this for like another five minutes until the mushroom starts to do the same thing you know turn a bit brown and a bit reduced like mushrooms do so yeah I'll, I'll talk to you again when that starts to happen. It's been a couple minutes, ladies and gentlemen. The mushroom is starting to turn a little bit cooked, which is nice. I've still got a little way to go before I want to add the rice and start cooking the rice. But what I'll do at this point is I'm going to start adding a few little... Uh, I'm going to start adding maybe a bit of Tabasco. Uh, maybe I'll do some salt first. There's a bit of salt. Add some Tabasco. I've got some mixed herbs as well, you know. Uh, oof, that might have been a bit too much Tabasco. Ooh, I can smell it, but that's fine. Oh. Stir it up. Ah, oh, getting Tabasco fumes. I like Tabasco. I've just recently stocked up with all the Tabasco flavors. So I've got the mild jalapeno Tabasco, the green stuff, and I've got the extra hot habanero Tabasco. It's kind of less flavorful than stock standard Tabasco, if you ask me, but maybe I haven't had it enough. Maybe I need to add more. Maybe I'm too scared to add the amount that I need to add to get the really good flavor out of it, I guess. Anyway, I'm gonna add a couple uh, mixed herbs as well. Just for something, you know? It's, it's like I keep on saying, you end up with a big volume of food and it's a crime to have it under-flavored. There we go. So just a sprinkle of herbs. Do whatever you want to at this point. I'm gonna stir it all through. Getting some good, like, patches at the bottom of the pan where it's starting to turn like brown and stick. And I've got to kind of scrape it with my spoon, which is exactly what, what you want. Because according to the recipe, those bits at the bottom are going to uh, kind of, like, permeate through the rice in this dish and really colour the rice and make it nice. Nice rice. Alright, 
things are looking nice and brown, I'm going to add the, uh, the rice. So what this recipe calls for is a little splash of your stock. So I've got my stock here. I've got uh, two 500ml bottles of stock. Recipe calls for like 600ml of stock and I'm going to add a little bit extra rice. So I'm going to use like six or seven hundred mils of stock. Um, but before I do that, I'm just going to add a little splash to the crock pot so that this uh, mushroom, onion, garlic, spices mix turns into a little bit of a sauce, a little bit of a brothy soup here. And I'm going to deglaze the bottom of the pan of all those brown bits. There we are. And then to this... I'm going to add like two cups of rice. The recipe calls for a cup and a half. I'm going to go closer to two cups. Um, yeah. So here's the first cup. There we are. And splash into the pot. Here's the second cup. Oop, it almost makes two cups. So it's like one and four fifths cups of rice I've just put in. There we are. I stir it through so it's a really even, ricey, mushroomy mix. And that's uh, also one of the reasons why it had me add that splash of stock. Oh, there we go. And now I'm going to add... I hope that's enough rice. I mean, rice always balloons up way more than I expect it to. It doesn't look like very much at this stage, but it's going to really really inflate itself okay I'm gonna add the rest of the stock I'm just using vegetable stock you can use whatever stock you want I guess so there's 500 mils because uh, I'm just using like one or two hundred mils from this 500 mil carton. I'm gonna stick it in the freezer afterwards. I like having stock in the freezer because it's always like, I, I often will cook a dish which needs less stock than I have, if you see what I mean. So having half a thing of stock in the freezer is always like, hey, I got that stock in the freezer. I can pull it out right now and make this dish really super nice. All right. I'm now also going to uh, add a little bit of soy sauce to this. And then the soy sauce, I'm not going to add too much, just a little bit like that, because after this rice is done cooking, I'm going to taste it, and if it's still under-seasoned, I'm going to add more soy sauce. So I've now got this quite nice, soupy, flavorful mix. I'm going to let it uh, come up to a simmer. It's just going to take a minute, so I'll see you on the other side of that minute. Uh, you know what, I'm actually going to add a tiny bit more stock to this because I've just remembered I would normally be cooking this soup in the evening and to accommodate the extra rice I add, as well as a little extra stock, I usually pour a bit of beer into it at this point. I don't, I'm not drinking a beer, so you can have a little bit extra stock. There we go. Okay, I can see it beginning to stimmer, uh, stimmer? Simmer. I've just turned the exhaust fan off. So that horrible drone has gone out of the recording, which is nice. I should have done that way earlier. I just had it going when I was frying the broccoli. I should have turned it off earlier. But so now what I'm going to do 
uh, now that it's come to a simmer, I'm going to put the very heavy pot lid on, like this, which is going to seal the crock pot. I'm going to turn the heat right down to nothing. It's going to keep on simmering away, and we're basically cooking the rice through the absorption method. So now what we do is we just need to let it sit for 15 minutes, and then we take it off the heat entirely, um, and then we add the uh, green onions and our cooked mushroom and broccoli and stir it all through, and then we put the lid back on and we let it sit for a further 10 minutes and just cook in residual heat. Um, yeah, because I'll be adding cold ingredients like the pre-cooked mushroom and broccoli, although it'll still be pretty warm. Like, I, I might... Ah, it doesn't, doesn't matter. All right, so yeah. The next stop is to just set my set myself a 15-minute timer and just wait. Yeah. So I guess I'll see you on the other end of this edit point. Or you know what? Actually, what I might do is... Hang on, let me get my boots on. Ah... Uh. Let me just take you with me for a second, listeners. I might just... Uh... So there's no one else at home today. I've got the house to myself. And when I need to just sit down and wait for 15 minutes, there's a little place in my house I like to go to. I can sit down and sort of be on my own, and it's really nice there. So, yeah, let me just take you to that place now. All right. So, come with me. Now let's just go out the back. Out to the back shed. My, um... At my mum's house, they've got this, uh... weird little cellar thing in their back shed. I think it's supposed to be like a wine cellar or something. Or like a mushroom cellar. It's just this weird hatch in their back shed. And like you lift up the hatch and there's this weird little... Almost like a little panic room down there with just lots and lots of shelves. And I was really envious of it. So when I moved into this place, imagine my delight when I found out here in my back shed that we've got uh, a little hatch as well. Um, Sort of hidden over here in the corner. Hang on, let me just get the bit off it. Okay, the cover's off, I'm just looking like, I'm looking down at a round hole in the concrete and it has this thin ladder in it. I'm just going to take you down the ladder with me. Here it goes. Okay, so I'm here on the ladder, I'm inside a cylinder of concrete. Uh, so I'm just going to start climbing down. Uh, oh, this cylinder goes down in pretty close quarters for uh, a couple of meters. Uh, uh, so, hang on. Uh, but then it opens up into uh, a big, wide open space under here. A big dark space. So I'm still gripping onto the ladder. I've got a ways to go on the ladder yet. 
there's still another like a good couple stories of a ladder to climb down so hang on let me just climb down the ladder for a little bit nearly there So here we are, down at the bottom of the ladder. And I look around myself. I find myself on a little island of white sand in the middle of a massive underground river. The river sort of runs through this big underground chasm, or almost like a cavern, I guess is the word I'm looking for. It's like a big black walled cavern. And the ladder comes down to this little white beach this tiny white beach in the middle of this huge river of like weird black water with this one little island of white sand in the middle of it and this freezing cold breeze if I was going to be here for a long period of time I, I like to bring a jumper or a blanket or something down here but for now I, I, can, I can just about handle it and this is this nice little white beach where I like to come and wait under the house um, we're pretty far down, it's a long ladder and then there's uh, that sort of tunnel of concrete that you go through but I like to sit down here oh, on the beach in the dark, on the white sand it's these weird like weird bumpy grains, they're kind of uneven grains of sand but all of them white it's almost like the rice, you know uh, there's just this like weird grass that grows here it's like grey they're like reeds I guess I think they're dead they're pretty hollow inside and they seem pretty old yeah but uh, I like to just come and sit on, on the beach at the bottom of this cavern I can look up river and the only light in this whole cavern comes from upriver. I can see this really faint white glow of light sort of bouncing down from further up the cavern. I, I can kind of see these things washing past on the water. I can never like make out what they are. I think they might be like trees or branches with just stuff tangled up on them but they wash past they never come close enough for me to make out any more detail than that what might be like branches washing past and when I turn around and I look at the other end of the cavern down river I can't see anything it just disappears into blackness it's so dark down that way um, I thought theoretically I could bring a rope down here and like a little inflatable raft or something I could tie a rope to the ladder and sit on the raft and then, then like explore downstream but I would need to bring a pretty long rope yeah the distance is pretty intense so mostly I just come down here and sit on the beach the water it rushes really quickly it's like a strong strong river and the water is freezing cold it's icy icy water 
Um, one time I've come down here and waded up to my waist, and the deeper I go in the water, the warmer it is. It's warmer. It's like freezing cold up on the surface. Maybe near the wind, the wind makes it cold? I don't know, but it's like warm underneath the water. I didn't mean to get that deep down, it was an accident. Um, maybe I should tell you about it. It was a couple months ago now. Uh, I was down here waiting when there was no one else awake. Everyone else was asleep and I just came down to sit on the beach. And I noticed, I, I found something in the sand, in the white sand. There was this little bone. I think it was like a little jawbone with one tooth in it. From, I guess, a mammal? Um, yeah, just like a tiny little thing. It was like, it's smaller than my little finger. And it had one, I think, canine tooth in it. And I was like, oh my god, because it was so, it was just beautiful. It was so perfect, this little, like, white, white jawbone. Uh, and I, um, I took it with me back up the ladder and I, I, um, I tried to figure out what animal it came from. It was pretty late at night, but I, I put it down on my shelf and I went to bed and I did some research on my phone and I, I couldn't find anything which looked like it. I was just like, yeah, I'm no, I don't know about bones. I'm no paleo guy or anything like that. I couldn't figure out what it would have come from. But I couldn't stop thinking about it. I just sat there and even when I put down my phone, I couldn't sleep. And I started to get really like weird, like it felt really weird. And I just didn't sleep at all that night. I couldn't, even with my, uh, I normally, like, I try to listen to, I listen to the Kaiju podcast to get to sleep, and that always, like, in the first five minutes, I'm asleep when I listen to the Kaiju podcast. I just sat there listening to it, and I couldn't sleep. I was staring up at the ceiling. I wasn't engaging with what they were talking about, Baragon or, or, or whatever. I was just thinking about this little bone on my shelf, and it started to really upset me. I felt like I'd done something bad taking it up away from the beach. Um, the next day I went to uni. Uh, this is back when I still went to uni and I just couldn't concentrate. I had to go home. I was just sitting there feeling really upset and like confused and anxious and like nothing in my life made sense that day. But I just like, I finished up early and I got home and I got my little jawbone and I went down the ladder again and I came back here to the beach. Um, and I wanted to put it just in the downstream side of the island and let it wash away, but I put it there and it just kind of sank down to the sand. I could still see it. So I picked it up and I started, I took off my boots and I rolled up my pants and I kind of waded a few feet out to where it was a little deeper and I put my hand underwater and I let the jawbone go and I watched it like wash away in the water downstream and I felt better and then, uh... I turned around and like the beach was like five, six, seven meters away because the sand I was standing on was moving. Like it must just be that this, this beach is constantly being like refreshed with this weird sand from upstream and then it washes away uh, further downstream because it was like I was on a conveyor belt. The sand was like slipping away and I was getting deeper and deeper out and I started to like wade back up through the water to get back to the beach. And I was like really panicking and it took me like ages. I thought I wasn't going to get back there, but I got back there eventually. And that was a couple months ago. And that's how I learned that the water is like warmer when it's like deep. Yeah. 
That's probably the most excitement that I've had down here on this little island under my house. I haven't gotten in the water since then, but I still like to come down and look up at the light. So yeah, let's have a little look at, look at our timer. We've got like four minutes left, so I I'm going to climb back up the ladder and I'll see you back up at the oven. Alright, so our rice has been cooking for like 15 minutes here in the crock pot, so let's lift up the thing. Okay, let's stir it up. Looks like it's still a little bit damp. Oh no. Hang on. Let me just have a little taste of some of this rice. Got some out on my wooden spoon. I'm going to put the lid back on. It might need another, like, four minutes or something. Hang on. Oh no. That's actually really good. A little al dente. <coughs> oh, it's spicy. Ooh! Yeah, I'm going to give it... There are a couple crunchy bits of rice still. Yeah, I can feel it in my mouth still. I'm going to go another two minutes. Two or three. Okay, it's been like two minutes. I'm going to call this rice good enough. So, I take the lid off. These green onions, I'm going to just scoop them into the mix. While this is still on the heat. There we go. And then the cooked broccoli and mushroom, I'm also going to stir into the rice. There we are. And now I'm just going to stir this whole thing up. So that everything is evenly mixed through. I guess theoretically the uh, green onions, the spring onions will just sort of melt, not melt, they'll wilt a little bit in this heat, but not really be properly cooked, I guess. Sometimes I like to cook them, sometimes I like to like have them be part of the uh, rice cooking process. And they do turn out pretty soggy, but, you know, I've made this dish a whole bunch of different ways and each time it's been pretty tasty. There we go. Everything's mixed through really well. And so now I'm going to take it off the heat and put the lid on and we've got to let it sit for 10 minutes, uh, which is sort of like also part of the rice. You know, if you've ever done the absorption method with the rice, cooking rice in a pot, then it's like you let it simmer on really low heat in a bunch of water with the lid on it, not lifting the lid at all for like 12, 13 something minutes, I don't know what, and then you take the lid off. Uh, no, you don't even take the, don't take the lid off. Absorption method of rice, don't take the lid off. You take it off the heat for 10 minutes and you let it sit for 10 minutes and that cooks the rice really well. I've done that a couple times and I'm happy with it. All right, so, uh, so I'll just see you in another 10 minutes after this little edit point. Alright, there we go. It's been 10 minutes, so uh, let me just quickly get my ghee spoon and give it a bit of a clean off. There we go. And I got a bowl. It's uh, just gone one o'clock. 
in the afternoon. I started at, what did I say, a bit after 11. I think I started sometime between 11 and 11.30. And I have now cooked myself some lunch and also several lunches and dinners for the rest of the week. I like to get this and just, like, put it in plastic Tupperware containers. I put, like, two in the fridge and then, like, three in the freezer. Um, yeah, and just eat it throughout the rest of the week. Um, let me just serve myself some now. Get a good bit of mushroom and broccoli and stuff in here. I'm going to commit to having this for lunch. If it if I eat it and it's a bit like under seasoned, then I'll add something to it here in the pot. Oh, it's my door closing. There we go. Yeah, it's a really nice like colorful dish too. It's got red from the chili, it's got green from the onions and the broccoli. And then uh, these nice brown chunks of mushroom through it. So, let me just sit down. Maybe I'll go into my living room. Or I'll give it a, a good old taste test. See how well we've done. Ugh. Oh, it's hot. Mmm. But it's good though. There we are. Here's a bit of broccoli. Mmm. Perfect. It's got a good broccoli flavour. But it's um it's not soft. I've got to chew it a little bit, but it's not crunchy. Let me see if I can find some shiitake mushroom. Here's a big chunk of field mushroom. It's not too spicy either. I was worried I'd put too much Tabasco in, but no, it's like just right. Mmm. Oh, that field mushroom's really nice. And here's a little bit of shiitake. Is it? No, that's field mushroom. Did I not get myself any shiitake? Hang on. Let me go back to the pot. There's a bit. Okay. Alright. Pop the lid back on. Alright. Let's sit back down. Mm-hmm. Oh. I actually like the field mushrooms better. Maybe I like... Yeah, that was a bit too subtle for me. The field mushroom is more mushroomy in the final dish. Maybe the, the flavor of the shiitake got absorbed into the field mushroom or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. I'll say this. If you at home make this dish, use ghee. Find ghee. Because the flavor of the ghee kind of permeates this whole dish and is acting as this really nice, warm aftertaste. It's subtle, it's very subtle, which is good because, you know, you don't want to be having too much of one flavour, I guess. But it's really nice. It makes it really warm and flavourful. So, yeah. 
If you make this at home, which you definitely should, this is a really tasty, tasty, tasty dish. Use ghee, not butter. Uh, and I wouldn't change anything else. I think this is the perfect version of this that I've done. Or not the perfect version, but it's a, as good a version as any I've ever cooked before. I always worry about like, oh, what if I do a kind of crappy one, you know, for the record? And I'm like disappointed and I have to do the taste test. And I'm like, oh, it could have been a bit better for this reason. But this is great. This is really good. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen... Thank you very much for tuning in for the 2019 Daniel K's Let's Cooks, in which I let's cooked some uh, mushroom rice hot pot. And I really do recommend that you try it at home because it is very tasty. Add whatever green veggie you want. Theoretically, you could do, I don't know what, something different. Or you leave the broccoli out, I don't care. But use ghee, use tons of mushrooms. Use a little more mushrooms than it calls for. Um, but yeah, this is a good recipe and it's a tasty dish and thank you very much for all of your company and I hope to see you again when I start recording video games sometime soon and you can listen to those instead of me eating a delicious rice dish which I just cooked. Thank you very much and see you later everyone. Bye bye. (laughs) 